All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast. I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast. We're live at the Memorial Hermann Sports Medicine Update 2023. Not too long ago, I talked with Travis about his journey in foster care. Uh, he is also a foster parent. And as all of you know that listen to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, we have adopted two beautiful girls out of foster care. We've just completed changing their social security numbers, their birth certificates, their uh, health insurance information. So I think they are completely on 100% Jacksons now. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think that's all done, and um, and we are done. You know, that's about six months ago, no, uh, eight, eight or nine months ago that we adopted them. It was September, and so it, it's a long process even afterwards. Um, but you know that that's our journey. We had our youngest from the day she was three days old, and then her sister came to live with us a year and a half later, and then we adopted them just about a year later after that. Uh, and again, I we were foster parents. We weren't looking to grow our family. We were looking to give a safe place to those kids uh, that didn't have that. And so, Travis, uh, uh, being an athletic trainer, you know, we all worry about the the time consideration. Oh, I'm at the school so much. I can't leave my job, those kind of things. So I just want to kind of give you an opportunity to share a little bit about your story, and then um, we'll get into some questions and conversations after that. Yeah, perfect. So I guess a little bit of background into uh, kind of how we got into this uh, fostering situation. We are trying to build a family, and this is uh, kind of our way that we thought that uh, – was the best fit for us. Um, and so we kind of started the journey about two years ago, um, starting to get licensed. Get, you have to get your home licensed in order to be a foster family, have a home study and whatnot. And our initial goal, since we wanted to do expand our family and grow our family, our goal was to foster to adopt. And so kind of a different situation than what you had initially said uh, for you guys. Um, for us, what that looked like was we wanted, th there's kind of different levels of uh, legal attachment when it comes to children in the foster system. And so we initially said we only want to entertain uh, foster children that are legally free. And so those are children who have no legal attachment their parents have either terminated rights or, or whatever the situation is. Um, and we kind of were sitting six, nine, ten months into the process and hadn't been, um, hadn't had anything work out for us yet. Um, and so we were called by our licensing agency <clears throat> and they said, hey, we have this we have this kind of unique situation. Um, we have two children who are looking for a placement. It's an emergency placement, which uh, means that they know nothing about the case, um, basically. And so would you be willing to do this? And so we said, absolutely. Um, and that day, so we got the call around 6 p.m. By 10 p.m., we had a two-and-a-half-year-old in our home. And the next day, uh, a seven-day-old. So he was discharged straight from the hospital to us. Um, and that was, um, he was born nine months ago today. 
Um, so that was about nine months ago. And so that was uh, September, and it's been kind of crazy since then. Uh, you touched on something that's was uh, initially the scariest part for me, but I didn't understand the time commitment um, associated with foster children. Um, and in September, we all know that's a very busy time of year. Um, and so jumping headfirst into it with two children back to back, getting placed with us, one being seven days old, being discharged with some uh, medical issues that needed to be addressed and, and the two and a half year old needing some, some things addressed as well. Um, it, it started to stack up very, very quickly. Um, and the, the time commitment outside of work started to stack up very quickly. Um, luckily I'm in a fairly unique situation that is, uh, I am an athletic trainer, but I do not practice athletic training necessarily in my role. Um, I do business development um, for UT Ortho, and so I have a little bit more flexibility, um, and so that has played to my favor. Um, I can only speak to my own experience, <laughs> but if I was practicing as an athletic trainer in a traditional setting, I don't think I would have been, I don't think that our family would have been successful in this specific process. Um, and every situation is unique. Um, and so my CPS journey and, and your CPS journey has probably looked drastically different um, or has looked similarly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it has been, it's been a journey for sure, nine months. Uh, so we, we um, on the 14th will be nine months for the, for the toddler and the, or the, the 13th and the 14th will be nine months for the baby and placement in our home. So been a whirlwind. Yeah. So you mentioned about, I think you said six or nine months or something like that before y'all even really got the phone call. Cause when we first did it, we were like, we want to do the foster to adopt because we weren't really interested. In, we were interested in adopting kids out of foster care to give them that permanency. And then, you know, and through all the classes, they're like, well, as soon as you get your license, you're going to be getting phone calls. You might even get phone calls for kids before you get your license, you know, and that kind of thing. And and we literally, like, nobody, you know, they, they send out this uh, this email like, okay, well, here, these kids are available. Hey, consider us for these, consider us for these, consider exactly. us for these. Exactly. You know, and most of them that we're considering are family groups. We always We wanted to keep siblings together. You know, and that was kind of our goal. Is those are those kids are harder to place. It's easier to place an individual. Let's keep the siblings together. Let's give them, them that sense of normalcy and permanency. And so for us, it wasn't the day we got our license that we were getting phone calls. It was, it was seriously, I think it was at least nine months before we got one phone call. And I think it was one year before we took our first placement. And then they went back uh, with a biological family. And then... Um, I think it was like 10 months later. Yeah, it was about 10 months later when we got our, our now daughters. Um, and so, again, talk a little bit about that, what that process looked for looked like for you and your family. Yeah, so uh, just like what you said, we were told, hey, day, you, you get licensed, and that same day you could have a placement. Um, and that's obviously not what, what happened with us either. Um, what you said is you kind of get this email. They, the way that it was... I guess they referred to it as a broadcast. 
Um, and so it's kind of an email saying, hey, we have this child who is looking for a home. Are there any foster licensed foster families that are available to take the child? Um, and so we, we did the same thing. We were like, yeah, absolutely. We'll take this sibling group. And then that didn't work out. We'll take this sibling group. That didn't work out. So it is, I guess the process, I guess I can explain that. So you, you get a broadcast, you get to choose as a family whether you want to submit what's called a home study. So you submit your home study, which is basically a workup saying that you're eligible and you're licensed to, um, to have foster children. <clears throat> you submit your home study. The caseworker who is working with those children, they take in all of the home studies and then they narrow it down to a handful um, that they want to pursue further. That handful then sometimes they go into a, like a committee um, and that committee will then review it and then they will decide which family to place those children with. And what uh, we found was we were, we made it to that small selection, uh, that handful of home studies multiple times and would, you know, they would pick another family or a family that um, culturally fit more appropriately uh, for the child or children. Um, but we actually were chosen, <laughs> uh, not to extend this story, but we actually were chosen twice um, as the, the foster family um, for two separate sibling groups, um, a little boy and a little girl, and then uh, two little boys. And they, uh, we were set to meet them um, two separate occasions, we were set to meet them and CPS called and said, we found a family member for them. So they ended up not being placed with us. Um, and so that kind of is how it happened. And then, uh, I was actually working a basketball, uh, volleyball game, um, in, in September when I got the call about the two that are placed with us and they've been with us ever since for now, at least. And so Tell me kind of, like you said, you have a, a nine-month-old and a... Now almost three and a half. Oh, oh yeah, almost three and a half-year-old. Um, tell me a little bit about just the, the situation, not not the system, but just the situation at home with those kids. What does that look like for you in your daily life? Yeah, so um, I guess getting a seven-day-old until now having a nine-year-old is uh, dras drastically different. Um, so we've gone through, you know, those everything from the having the days and nights mixed up to going to daycare. They're both in, in daycare um, now. And uh, the baby has, I mean, the nine month old has nine teeth is eating food is, um, you know, crawling like a maniac is, has a huge personality is standing up. Um, so, Kind of the daily, I, I feel like, probably looks very similarly to if you have children of your own. Um, we wake up, we get ready, we do morning routine, go to daycare, we go to work, come home from work, pick the kiddos up from daycare, try to figure out dinner and, and bath time and, and some reading time and bedtime uh, and kind of pushing all of that together. Um, but you also have to balance 
there are a lot of um, requirements with um, the fostering system that you have to also balance. There's lots of appointments. There are court-mandated things, court-mandated visitation with biological family. Um, and we are in a situation right now where we have been court-mandated uh, weekly visits. And so trying to coordinate who can transport the children because it is, it's not CPS um, does not participate in that. It is the foster parents' responsibility for all transportation. And so um, we are transporting the children across Houston to the site that was picked that was best for bio parents. Um, and so we're doing that. And then we have to kill time because we're not at the visit. And then pick the kids back up, bring them home uh, in rush hour. So all of that's kind of uh, a hassle and a headache. But um, I think outside of that, we try to make it as you talk about normalcy and permanency. Um, normalcy is huge um, in this situation. Trying to create a very normal home life um, is what is most important. Um, and so really just focusing on what would you do with biological children? What would you do with the children, you know, your own? How would you manage the mornings and the evenings and daycare and all of that? And just trying to do the same by them. Um, really nothing kind of sits outside of that that I can think of besides the additional kind of um, court-mandated stuff, but also you have to think that sometimes when children come into um, the foster care system, they have not reached their developmental goals um, like anyone else. Um, and so because maybe they haven't had the support. And so a lot of time has been spent in the last nine months getting um, the toddler kind of up to speed. Um, speech-wise, um, intellectually, he's also uh, bilingual, so English and Spanish, trying to kind of bridge that, making sure that we are, you know, we're providing the appropriate amount of stimulation to bridge the gap of where he currently is and where he should be and uh, getting different evaluations um, in regards to, does he need speech therapy? Does he need occupational therapy? Does he need this? Does he need that? Um, and trying to kind of bridge that gap. He, he has drastically changed since he's been um, with us, uh, for, obviously for the better. Um, and he's, he is such a happy little, little man, just, just doing great things. He is, he's so happy, smiles all the time. He's just a, a bright light of, uh, of energy. So we're so fortunate to have him in our home. So thinking of the, the nine month old is the nine month old sitting up. Yes. Is the nine month old rolling over? Oh, absolutely. So all of these things are first. And, and I, I know we've shared conversations before, and, uh, and I think you mentioned it here, like the the now three-and-a-half-year-old uh -huh. was almost not even speaking. He wasn't, yeah. Yeah, and so he, he was not really using words, but now using both English and Spanish yeah. and, um, and in that situation. So 
what would happen if those if you got a phone call today and those kids were going back home? Um, well, my heart would be ripped out, absolutely. Um, and for the sake of not trying to tear up right now, uh, I think it would be really tough. I think that the children probably would go back um, to a safe place because that is obviously um, CPS wouldn't allow them to return to an unsafe place in theory. Um, so they would obviously go to a safe place, but would they be getting similar stimulus that they are now, or would it go back to kind of what they were um, getting then? I, uh, I do have this uh, kind of <clears throat> big fear. The toddler ha uh, turned three with us, and I have the, this biggest fear that we won't get to see the, the baby's first birthday. Um, and I've actually kind of shared with friends uh, and family about, you know, when you have children, you think of the future. You think of what are they going to look, you know, how, what are they going to look like? What are they going to, you know, what sports are they going to play? What activities are they going to be involved in? Seeing their wedding, seeing their graduation, stuff like that. And we are in a situation where I try really hard not to think of any of that stuff because it, uh, it's just too hard to think of that I'm going to miss all of it. So that's, that's really tough. Um, but yeah, the, we, what is amazing and, and great for us is we are witnessing all of the first for the baby, like you said. So he literally, I mean, he's only nine months today, but if, if I came in tomorrow and said he's walking with no issues, I would totally believe it because he is, he's crawling like a maniac. He pulls himself up. He stands without holding on to anything. He is, I mean, he is so, he is, we have had to move everything three feet above where it currently where it was. Because uh, the toddler, he, he wasn't interested in any of this stuff. You, he's only interested in his toys. But now the baby's moving around, motoring around. Um, so he's, he's interested in everything. But yeah, getting to see the first of everything. And one of the things that, that we talk about a lot is it, these children, they feel like they're ours. I mean, we had an emotional attachment to them. I know it sounds crazy, but day one, probably day one, honestly. Um, and so nine months in, I mean, you, we haven't, the, the baby hasn't lived with anyone else. He went from the hospital to us. He doesn't understand anyone else. We are his family. We are his parents. And so um, for him, I think that it's going to, it would be really tough. I think one of the things that they preach to us a ton in trainings and getting prepared to have foster children is, is like you said, normalcy, but also trauma. So these children obviously have gone through some type of trauma in order to have been placed in foster care. And my, my thought on all of this is absolutely that toddler, um, you know, it was a, a very happy day for us when they were placed in our home, but it was probably the worst day of his life. He lost everything that he's ever known. Um, and I fear that the baby will go through the same thing when, when and if they are removed from us and given back to biological family. Um, I do fear that he will go through that exact same trauma because he will be losing everything that he's ever known. Um, and that, that's tough, but we also signed up for it and knew that it could be a possibility. 
Um, but it is, it's super, super emotional. Um, it's a lot, a lot attached to it. Um, but yeah, I would be, if they left tomorrow, I'd be pretty torn up. Absolutely. If you were a single person as an athletic trainer, could you do this? I have heard people have done it and have been successful. And I will only speak to kind of my experience, my experience with the specific caseworker that we have and the specific situation that we have in regards to the court main mandated um, visitation. I don't think it's possible. Honestly, I don't think it's possible. Even if, you know, I'm, I, it's it's really tough sometimes. Like it's hard for me to even be able to, you know, have that conversation and rationalize. Hey, I need to have an. I need to leave work early again. Like I need to come in late again. You know, like because I have to do these things that are just. It has to get done. But you know, when you have your own children, they get sick also. So you ask for you ask for days off, and especially. The, these children, I don't think, uh, obviously the baby had never been in daycare and I, we, we don't think that the uh, toddler had ever been in any structured daycare. So going to daycare and being, you know, um, consistently sick for the first six months because it's daycare um, is, uh, was tough also. But, you know, now that they, they're building up some immunity, I think, uh, I think that that's helping um, a bit. But yeah, I don't think if you have a full-time job, whether you're an athletic trainer or not, I don't think it's possible to do to to be a foster parent. Like honestly, if you're by yourself, um, I know people have been successful. I just it would it's it would be extremely it's tough having two people. I can't I can't imagine being by myself and trying to do it. Right. My, my wife stays home full time, takes care of the kids. And it's a lot still. I mean, you know, like I said, we have three bio and then two adopted, but just all of the appointments, as soon as they, within seven days of coming into the house, they have to have to have a doctor's appointment and a dentist appointment and like a, maybe a psychological evaluation and those kind of things. And, and there, like you said, there's mandated meetings. Well, we don't care if it's in right in the middle of when you should be picking up your other kids from school. Absolutely. This is when we've decided you're going to be yep. on the other side of town with their siblings or with their parents or with this. And there's some really difficult stuff in foster care. And then, like you said, there's the trauma, you know. And so some of my most embarrassing moments as a parent is dealing with my youngest, my my two daughters that are adopted, because, like, just the uh, – maybe there's a fear inside of me, you know, or there was a fear inside of me, like, that they were going to be – the they are going to leave, and so then I just reacted poorly, but – just the anger inside of me, it just spills out. And so it's like, you know, I, those kids have already come from a situation, maybe have come from a situation like that. And so I'm not perfect. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> no, know. No, no one is. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I definitely screw up as a parent. And so uh, I am an athletic trainer and me and my wife are a supportive team and we have family members. And, you know, if you're interested in athlete, in foster care to give those kids an opportunity at normalcy or to grow your family like Travis, then reach out to me, reach out to Travis and, and take that first step, go to that first class, go to that second, that third class, uh, maybe even get certified, but you can always say no. You can always say no to the kids when they Absolutely. call you, Hey, will you take this kid? No. Hey, will you take this kid? No. Hey, will you take this kid? No. Right. 
and at least you've been through the training and the courses and you could say yes whenever the time comes if that's something that that is important to you um so the, any of the other athletic trainers listening that may be considering foster care what would you say specifically to them ask all the questions know that when you agree to something it's not permanent um, until you decide to make it permanent so if for some reason you you say hey i can do this this is going to be perfect um and three months in you're like okay it's just not working out um it's not the best situation for the children, but you always have the ability to discharge the children and they can then go to a more appropriate home. Um, it, that, you know, that's a really tough situation and a scenario to, um, to have to go through. We have, we have toyed with it occasionally thinking this is just too much. Um, but then you don't want, you know, it's, it's not too much for the children. The children, no matter what, have to go through it. So that's really tough. Um, but I also think that you have to be, when you are signing up to do this, you have to be selfish to an extent to protect yourself. And that's really tough to say because you sound like a monster saying something like that. And that's one of the biggest things that I've toyed with is you don't want you want to protect yourself and you want to protect the children as much as possible. But at the same time, sometimes letting go of the children is what needs to happen. Um, and that is, you sound like a monster saying that, you know, just in reality, you, you sound like, like you, you can't, you can't suck it up. You can't suck it up as an adult. And these poor children are now going to have to, you know, go and live with somebody else that they've never met before. Um, but that's, that's what I would, that's the advice I would give is ask all the questions, never assume that they're going to tell you anything, never assume that you will be informed, um, never assume that, um, any, that you are a part of the process, really, honestly, um, you are a holding spot a lot of times for foster children. And that sounds terrible because these children are not transactional and should not be viewed as that. But the state, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a business and these people, it's their job and they get, um, you know, the, they become used to it and it's, they don't look at every child as a human being sometimes they look at them as as just something else that they have to check off their to-do list for the day and so sadly I would say if you decide to do this reach out to either one of us um, we can hopefully guide you in a in a good good direction but you have to advocate not only for yourself but for the children if you don't you will you may get in a situation that just is not great for for either either party yeah, so we're going to wrap it up here, but even just saying that, like, you as a parent or and even more so as a foster parent, you do feel like you're a monster. Like, I have to take care of these kids, but I have to take care of me. And, like, you know, there's just so much, like, back and forth, like, trying to find the balance. And, you know, nothing really prepares you. And so it's a very difficult journey. It, it is not easy. Um, but for me, I would do it all over again if if I had to. Like if someone rewound the clock saying, you know exactly what's going to happen, would you do it again? I would say yes. 
for me. And so uh, be willing to take that step, be uncomfortable, but also, like Travis said, get lots of lots of answers, get lots of help, get lots of support. If somebody wants to reach out and get a hold of you, what's going to be the best way to do that? Uh, cell phone, probably. Um, uh, yeah, I can, I can give my cell phone, email, honestly, any way is best. Um, but yeah, I think cell phone would be the best. Cool. Well, I'll put, is it okay if I put that in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. So I have that and I'll put that in the show notes there. Uh, so if you guys want to text Travis or if you want to get a hold of me anyways, you can social media or email, any of that stuff. It's all there on sportsmedicinebroadcast.com. This one is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash foster care ATs and sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash foster care ATs. And I'm praying alongside of you that you do get to complete adoption. Uh, but if not, then that you can experience that grief and that healing that's going to come with the separation and, and things that people just kind of say, oh, well, I guess it's for the best. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that, but it still hurts. Yeah. So whatever happens, I'm praying alongside of you and I'll, and I'll be here to kind of help walk through the process uh, with you. So I appreciate you for saying yes to foster care. That, Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. That is a wrap.